0: Well, good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us, most of you online, but we have a few folks here. We're in a series called Guardrails. One thing exciting about this series is um, anybody can benefit from it. You don't have to be a Jesus follower. Much of this is helpful for all all folks. Today's topic is proximity. We'll explain that in a few minutes. Um, Last week, we started this series. If you want to catch up, that's also available. Today, I want to start with a question. Have you, or I'm sure you have, met some people you wished you never met? Maybe somebody's coming to mind or multiple people. Maybe an easier question is this. Has your spouse ever met a person you wish they hadn't met? Or maybe even easier, parents, have your kids ever met somebody you wish they had never met? And we probably all have some people come to mind. And their lives, our lives, we would think would be better if we hadn't met those folks. Isn't that kind of strange? (laughs) I put it this way. Some folks we've met are our greatest regrets. Most of our regrets we don't do alone. Um, For example, I've never smoked a cigarette, but if you're a smoker, somebody probably gave you that first cigarette. You probably didn't do it on your own. Uh, Other bad habits, drinking, gambling, whatever. Whatever. Probably somebody else was with you and said, hey, why don't you try this, right? So most of our greatest regrets are connected with other folks, which is natural and normal because we are uh, social people. And it's usually or probably never is your enemy (laughs) the person that you have your greatest regrets with. Your enemies you avoid, you try and stay away from. It's somebody you had a personal relationship with. Uh, somehow positive, constructive. Now, as we dig into this topic this morning, I would like you to focus on you. So often in these teachings, it's easy to think, well, my spouse needs to hear this, or my kids need to hear this, or my parents need to hear this. That may be true. But please, try and focus on you, and I'll try and focus on me as we go through uh, this teaching. So a quick review from what we covered last week We're using the illustration of a guardrail. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous and off-limit areas. So they're on dangerous curves and uh, cliffs and bridges. So the point is to keep you on the highway. Another way to say it is they direct and protect. So they direct you around the curve and they protect you from going off uh, the road on areas you don't want to go. Now, something I didn't mention last week was this. Guardrails promote preventive living. Now, we all understand preventive maintenance on our car. My maintenance light on my car is on right now. Tomorrow I'm going to call my mechanic. When can I have an appointment? I want to have the oil changed. Anything else needs to be done because it's a lot cheaper to keep the maintenance going than to repair the vehicle if you ignore the maintenance. We all understand that with cars. Hopefully you have preventive medicine Uh, go see your doctor, and before you get sick, checkups, and so forth. Well, the guardrails we're going to talk about are going to be preventive living in these other areas we're talking about, in our finances, in our relationships, in our health, in our sexuality, these other things we're going to talk about. Uh, We talked about drinking last week, alcohol. So guardrails promote preventive living prevents us from regrets, prevents us from doing things we wish we hadn't done. Now, here's a big key point. Guardrails are not placed in the danger zone, but in the safety zone. So, you have your danger, you step back a few feet, they put the guardrails, and then ideally, you don't ever hit the guardrail. So, you are multiple feet away from the danger. I've only hit a guardrail once and it kept me from going off the road. And the, another thing about guardrails that's significant is that they are designed to minimize damage. The time I hit that guardrail, didn't hurt my car, didn't hurt the guardrail, didn't hurt any other cars, didn't hurt myself. So with that analogy in place, we say guard, highways are not the only place we need guardrails. We need them in these other areas of life, the finances and our health and other areas. <clears throat> now, None of us like rules. <laughs> None of us like limits. None of us like to tell ourselves no, do we? I understand that. And the weird thing is that my guardrails seem to threaten other people. I, I, I don't understand that. It, it threatens you that I don't drink. It threatens you that I don't eat meat. <laughs> it threatens you that, uh, you know, I don't go to clubs. I don't get – I don't know. Why, why should that threaten somebody else? Uh, we talked about that last week. It, it seems to, and people kind of make fun of you. In fact, we said this, culture doesn't encourage guardrails. Culture is content with painted lines, some big, you know, wait, have sex when you're ready, uh, drink responsibly. They're not really guardrails. They're just kind of vague guidelines. Um, but when we cross them, when we do drink or drink and drive or, or cross one of those there are big guidelines, then they make fun of us. They shame us. They say, well, you know, why, how, how dare you cheat on your spouse or whatever it might be. Now, I came across an interesting illustration of this with Jesus. Uh, when Jesus was teach, the religious leaders, the really uh, religious people, the church leaders, uh, Jewish leaders, uh, didn't like him. Uh, He said a lot of things that exposed their hypocrisy, and they didn't like him. So anytime they had a chance, they would challenge him, um, ask him questions to try and get him to trip him up, which was kind of silly because they never did. But he got tired of them doing this one time, and we have a record of this in in Luke. And so he's making reference to these people, making fun, actually, of John Baptist and himself. So in Luke 7.33, it says this, talking about these religious leaders. Uh, You say, John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread and drinking wine. He was fasting, and he, and he, he was a teetotaler, if you will. And consequently, even though fasting was part of their religious practices, they made fun of John because he fasted and didn't drink alcohol. In fact, they said, he's possessed by a demon just because he fasts and doesn't drink. But that's what they would say. And then about himself, the son of man, Jesus, you accuse me of feasting and drinking and you say, I'm a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, which he really was. So, you couldn't win if you did and you couldn't win if you didn't, right? So, people can always justify their opinions even if they flip-flop from one side to another. And then Jesus finished that by saying this. And guardrails is really, another word for guardrails is wisdom. He said, what wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. Which means arguing, debating, uh, doesn't matter. What really matters is what happens, the outcome. Put it this way, wisdom is proven right, not in the courtroom, but in the outcome. So, John the Baptist, good outcome? Yeah. We say about John the Baptist, Jesus, good outcome? Yeah. So they may want to make fun of him, but the outcome proved to be wise. And again, guardrails isn't about right and wrong. My guardrail is what I decide to do about drinking or eating or diet or exercise or finances, whatever it might be, aren't your guardrails. I don't expect them to be guardrails, and you should expect yours to be mine. But this is such an important issue in all these areas, but especially the issue we're going to talk about today about relationships, and I'll tell you a little bit reason why a little bit later. So here's kind of my definition: a guardrail is a standard of personal behavior. It's personal to me; my guardrails are mine. Yours are personal to you. That become a matter of conscience. So I set these guidelines when I start to get close to there. <clears throat> Let me give an example. Uh, all right, my guideline as far as alcohol is to drink one beer, not two. All right, just for example. All right, so I drink one. Somebody offers me the second. Some bell should go off saying, wait, 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 wait. My guardrail is one beer, not two. If that doesn't happen, it's really not a guardrail. <laughs> so we establish these. We know what they are, and they... Light up our conscience. And we said this last week also. Guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives. If I say you want to hand over control of your life to someone or something, nobody's going to say yes. Even though as Jesus followers, we've turned our lives over to to Jesus. Last week talked about alcohol. Do you want to turn over control of your life to alcohol? I don't think so. Today we're going to talk about someone not something we're just going to title it friends and associates friends are people you choose associates are people you just by work by because of where you work or because of some team you've joined a bowling league or whatever you are associated with these these people now remember we said your greatest regrets in life most likely are connected to another person a person that was at least an associate most likely you might call a friend. Now, I always like to think about pushback when I'm teaching something, and so I'm going to address a pushback before I do the teaching this morning. And one of the pushbacks is this, well, you're just being so judgmental of other people, and what they eat, and how they drink, and how they spend their money. So let me explain to you the difference between judgmentalism and good judgment. Good judgment is a guardrail. So here we go. Being judgmental assumes something about the other person. <clears throat> I'm setting myself up as your what? It's in the Word. Judge, right? I'm setting up, up myself, so I'm judging your alcohol intake. I'm judging what you eat or how much you eat. I'm judging how you spend your money. I'm judging who you hang out with. I'm, that's being judgmental. And we shouldn't do that. God has set me up as your judge. But guardrails is good judgment. Now, what is good judgment about? Well, good judgment is all about me. It has nothing to do with you. It's about me drawing conclusions about my life. These are things I want to limit. These are places I don't want to go. It has nothing to do with you. It's my good judgment and my judgment, I don't want to spend more money than I make. I don't want to do that. I don't think that's wise. I want to exercise. I don't want to be a cow's potato. I think that's wise. If you want to just sit around all the time, that's fine. That I'm not judging you. My judgment is about me, and it's connected to my past, things I've done that I shouldn't have done, things I should have done that I didn't, just things I've learned. I learned about aerobic exercise back in… Um, when I was 30, so 40 years ago. And I've implemented that in my life ever since. So it's about my past, it's about present circumstances, what's working, what's not working right now. And, and we say about your future. Where do you want to go? Do I want to, uh, you know, be in a lot of debt when I retire? No, I don't want to be in any debt when I retire. Uh, so I have to put guidelines or guardrails in place so that I can get to my desired results. I think that makes sense. Now, <clears throat> uh preacher, post of you would know, he came up with this suggestion how to deal with those kind of delicate situations. And he said we could borrow this. He said, in those situations you can say, I'm not emotionally mature enough to, and you can fill it in. I thought the easiest illustration is an alcoholic. I've had some alcoholics in my family. And if you invite an alcoholic to go to a Bar, what do they, What should they say? Well, here's an easy way to explain it. I'm not emotionally mature enough to go to a place where everybody's drinking because that is a weakness of mine. Makes sense, right? So, whatever it might be. Uh, maybe you have a gambling weakness. Well, don't go to the racetrack, you know. <laughs> or don't get online where you're re- exposed to that. Uh, whatever it might be. When you're invited to some place where you want to politely say no, don't put it on the other person and say, well, you're doing something bad. Just say, no, I'm personally not responsible enough, because they probably wouldn't understand the guardrail thing, (laughs) to do whatever that is. Now, one way to think about this is when you were a child, think back when you were a child, your parents had guardrails for you, right? Especially when you became a teenager. Um, so, for example, um, uh, teenage girl, because dads and teenage girls are <laughs> kind of an interesting dynamic. I have a daughter. So, my teenage daughter comes to me, she's 15, and she says, Hey, my girlfriend and I are going with these two guys. And we're going wherever. And my response to that is going to be what? Well, no, there better be three guys. I'm going along with you, or you're not going. Right? Um, so, as parents, we are i put this put this up uh, paranoid, right about the friends our kids keep. I think you were I was I think my parents were um, in fact i 'm probably more paranoid than my parents. Why? because I know what I did even with paranoid parents, so i 'm even more paranoid, and i 've got grandkids now to think about. <clears throat> Now, as the child that the parent's paranoid with, what is your pushback? What is your response? Oh, mom and dad, you're so gentle. Well, no. Well, kind of, no. <laughs> I just want you to be safe. And this is the guideline or the guardrail I have for you to hopefully keep you safe. Again, greatest regrets come from who we spend time with and hang out with. Now, parents nowadays have advantages. They can go on Facebook and find out all kinds of stuff about that kid and his parents and everything else. In fact, you can put apps on your car to keep track of your kids, on your phone to keep track of where your kids go, I think. I uh, haven't done that. I don't do that. Now, again, I'm not telling other parents how to parent. I'm not telling other people how to live their lives. These are all my personal guardrails that determine where I want my life to go or not to go. I'm not telling anybody else what to do. Now, the reason this is so important is this. Our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. You hang around with good friends that are wanting to to do the stuff and go to the places you want to go, that's great. And your quality of your life goes up. You hang around with folks that want to go someplace where you'd rather not go, or uh, it's going to decrease the quality of your life. And this is the reason. The things that make relationships so powerful is the things that make them so dangerous, so whether good or bad. Friends influence us. They uh, create a situation where we can relax a little bit, right? When I'm around strangers, I, I, I've got, you know, barriers up. I have my guard up. I don't know these people. I don't know if I'm safe around them. But once we become friends, I let my guard down. And when I let my guard down, <laughs> it would be a good thing if I'm going to let my guard down about personal growth in my life. But it's a bad thing if I let my guard down into getting into some, some bad habits. So that relationship is powerful either for good or for, or for bad. And another reason it influences relationships, influences so much, is that we all are acceptance magnets. We all are drawn to places we accept, and we try and be a church where everybody's accepted, because we understand this. So how do people get into these these crazy gangs? Because the gangs accept these these young people in, and they might not feel accepted in other places. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes not at the church. But we are acceptance magnets. So if you're going to accept me, I'm going to be drawn to be spending time with you, whether you're a person that has good influence on me or maybe a negative influence. Now, I don't know about you, but I love it when science catches up with the Bible. (laughs) What do I mean by that? When scientists explore stuff and they find out that something works exactly the way the Bible says. In this case, something that somebody wrote in the Bible 3,000 years ago. But well, before we get there, we're going to look at something a, sci- a neuroscientist wrote about our brains. Right, his name was Morin Cerf. He's a professor at Northwestern University, kind of an elite university. So we'll go through these pretty quickly. But first he said the more we study engagement or interpersonal relationships, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brains with them. So look at who you're sitting next to right now. All right? Your brains are being aligned. Uh, Naturally. I mean, you don't have to do anything. This is a little scary maybe, but anyway. He said, this isn't just behavioral. It's not because you're developing their behavior. It's actually in our brains. It's neurological. So, then he goes on to say this. This is great. If people want to maximize happiness and minimize stress. Anybody for that? I'm for that. (laughs) More happiness and less stress. They should build a life that requires fewer decisions. Well, that makes sense. I don't have to make decisions. I, you know, life is better, easier. So how do you do that? Well, you surround yourself with people who embody the traits you prefer. So that's why I like hanging around Jesus followers, because that's the traits I prefer. So it maximizes my happiness and minimizes my stress. Now, again, this is a neuroscientist saying all this. So over time... They, or you, will naturally pick up on these desirable attributes and behaviors, just automatically. You don't have to do anything. Just hang around people that you want to be like, and you will, your brains will start to align, and you'll start to be like them. Isn't that awesome? Well, God's been telling us that for 3,000 years. So, I want to look at a proverb, but I want to explain what Proverbs is. It's a book in the Bible, kind of in the middle of the Old Testament. And I read the whole book of Proverbs this week, and I suggest you do it. It's kind of neat because uh, it used to annoy me. If you read Proverbs, it jumps from topic to topic, verse, for verse to verse the topic. just jumps all over the place. But if you read the whole thing, it's kind of cool because, oh, yeah, that reminds me of something that I read earlier in the Proverbs, and it's repeated. So we learn things through, through repetition. So there's three or four times it talks about, you know, marry, don't marry a nagging wife or whatever it might be. Sorry, ladies. The... It was written by a guy, all right? But there's a lot of wisdom in there. <coughs> so, first, first seven verses explain why in this, Solomon, king of Israel, wrote this, David's son. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. So, guardrails are synonymous with wisdom. And the key with guardrails is to keep them, right? So, they have the discipline not to smash through it, to stay on this side of it. So teach wisdom and discipline to help us understand the insights of the wise. The purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Discipline ultimately leads to success. To help them do what is right and just and fair. It's about right and wrong, but it's more than right and wrong. So this is action, things we need to do, put into practice on, on a life manual, if you will. He goes on. These proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. So If you're not so wise right now, it's okay. (laughs) You can get wiser. And if you're young, none of us are wise. When we're young, you, uh, you can be wise even when you're young. So let the wise listen. Of course, you have to listen and become even wiser. Let those who understand receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables and words of the wise and the riddles. And then he ended with a verse, some of you recognize, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge or the foundation of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. I like this term, lifetime learner. Hopefully you're a lifetime learner. I'm starting to learn to do a little bit of plumbing. I never did it before. (laughs) Didn't have to. could depend on other people to do it for me. And so I'm learning a little bit of plumbing. So continually learn. Flip side of this, you ever met somebody that's a know-it-all or thinks they're a know-it-all? Aren't they just annoying? (laughs) And they really don't know it all uh, besides So, we shouldn't be know-it-alls. We should be continually seeking wisdom. So, the proverb we want to look at this morning about relationships is in 13, chapter 13, verse 20. He says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Now, we mentioned wisdom is a person that sees life connected. Uh, Back up, please. (laughs) Uh, Life connected, yes. Yes. So, I realize what's happening today affects my tomorrow. That's wise. Um, And again, this happens automatically if I hang out with wise people. That's what the next slide says. Wisdom is contagious. You know, hopefully we don't catch the virus from somebody, (laughs) but hopefully we can catch wisdom from somebody, right? We begin to resemble them. Then he tells us about the flip side. Right? Hang out with wise people, become wise. Associate with fools. A fool is a person that doesn't see life connected. It doesn't matter what I do today, doesn't affect tomorrow. Well, that's really not too smart, is it? We use the word fool. Uh, it's a person that lives life carelessly. They're not careful. So they get into trouble. This is interesting. You expect him to say they'll you'll become a fool. But it's worse than that. It's not you just become a fool. Uh, you're going to get in trouble. And if you read tra- different translations, it talks about uh, ha- harm. It talks about uh, uh, destro- destroying you. Um, I thought this was a good illustration. It's like uh, if something explodes next to you, you catch the shrapnel, shrapnel from that explosion. So, when somebody's life blows up, because they're fools, we get some of that foolishness that, that, that affects us or falls upon us. It's all because of proximity. So when you are close to somebody whose life is blowing up, you're going to get some of, the, of the, the bad effects from that. A couple ways we can say that is this. Friends who aren't careful with their lives won't be careful with your life. They don't care how much straddle they get. So this, you think about it. Your health? Why people don't take care of their health? Don't care about your health. They might try and get you to eat stuff you shouldn't eat or more than you should eat. No, they don't care because they're doing those things. Um, <clears throat> what about your finances? Somebody that's cares less about their finances, spend as much money as they put on credit cards. They don't care what you do. Encourage you to hey, you just go put it on a credit card. What about your faith? Somebody doesn't care about their faith, they're going to care about your religious faith. They're not going to care about that. Another way to say it is friends that don't take care of themselves won't take care of yourself. So, the point of guardrails is this. It should light up my conscience before I enter into the danger zone. And again, let me, we're going to get to the, think about, focus on you, (laughs) Not your spouse, not your kids, not your parents. And I'm going to spend a little more time on the think abouts because an important part of teaching anything is application. And we have the little word app now on our phones and computers and stuff. That's short for app, right? How to apply. So how to apply this this teaching about guardrails. So I'm going to give you five kind of things to think about. (coughs) Suggestions. These are Suggestions to help you apply, because guardrails are only good if you discipline yourself to follow them. So here we go, number one. When it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction you'd like to go, and we say this, all relationships are never static. Relationships are growing positively or negatively. They're spiraling up, they're spiraling down, uh, you're drifting apart, you're drifting... Are Drifting closer together. So, stop and think of some group that you're in. If they're going in a direction you don't want to go, your future, that's not where you want to be, that should light up in your comments. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, we got a lot in common. I I like these folks, but they're headed here, and I want to go over here. Um, So, that's one one, uh, question you can ask yourself. Second one is, <clears throat> when you catch yourself pretending to be someone you're not. The way I think about this is this way. You're in a group and everybody, somebody's saying something, everybody's nodding their heads like this, so you're nodding your head like this. But in, inside, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't think that way. I don't believe that way. Or it could be vice versa. You're going this way when you should be going that way. So when you find yourself nodding when you shouldn't be nodding, a red flag. Should go off saying, Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is my guardrail. I can't go there. Think about it this way when you're pretending you're tru- actually lying, aren't you? And if I asked you, Should you lie to your friends? you would say no. So pretending isn't healthy. Uh, guardrail you don't want to pass, uh, crossover. Third one when you feel pressure to compromise. Now, normally, you've got your guardrail in place. It's not, it maybe a temptation, but, you, you know, I, I'm not going there. i got a guardrail. I'm not going there. But in a group, it's just another person, often because they don't have the same guardrail, they're going there subtly or not so subtly. They can pressure you and say, hey, it's, you're fine going there. And that temp- what was a temptation before becomes a real option. And before you know it, you wind up in the ditch. And th- one thing comes into play here is self-talk. We talk to ourselves, right? Yeah, 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 I got a guardrail there, but yeah, maybe it's okay to just, just this is one time to ignore it. When you find yourself talking yourself into it, that's a, guard, uh, a question you need to ask about your guardrail. Uh, next. <clears throat> when you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. Uh, we did this a lot when we were younger, right? Some of uh, of you are a lot younger than I am. Yeah, I'll go, but I won't participate. Well, how does that usually work out? Uh, You have the term peer pressure, right? It's a lot easier to say, well, I'm not emotionally mature enough to go than it is to say no when you're already there, isn't it? Again, this is for yourself. Let me think about it this way. Those of you who have kids and grandkids, if your grandkids tell you that, what are you thinking? No, you won't. <laughs> so if you don't think so with your kids and grandkids, you shouldn't think it for yourself. The last one's this when you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. Ding, 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 ding. Right away. Well, um,. I hope my parents don't find out I'm here. I hope my spouse doesn't find out I'm here. I hope my kids don't find out I'm here. Because what you're doing is you're birthing a lie. Because most likely if somebody asked you, you're not going to tell them, are you? Where'd you go? You're going to lie about it, and say, oh, just no place, whatever. Now, I again, push back. Well, pastor, you're so over the top. Well, Maybe I am. Let me just say to you, as a pastor, I get phone calls. People say, I want to come and talk to you. And they don't come. I want to come and talk to you about how wonderful my life is. That's not the calls I get. They want to come and talk to me about how they've blown up their life and maybe the life of their family and and whatever. And as I listen to their story, it's so obvious to me If you. We just had some guardrails in place. It's usually about sex or money, mostly. You just had some guardrails in place this wouldn't have happened to you. So I beg you, I don't know what stronger word to use, I beg you to establish guardrails. In this case, especially with the people you spend time with and hang out with. When you have an option or a choice. And so many people are going to wake up the next day and say, how did this happen to me? And maybe that's happened to you. Well, the reason this happened is because our friends still determine the direction and the quality of our lives. So, we all need these personal rules, these personally guidelines, and we need the discipline to stick to them. Because these, these five things I've suggested to you, there's always counter-arguments. Oh, yeah, I went last time and I didn't participate. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you didn't. Um, always. So this, again, is not right and wrong. These are personal. You say, well, you're just, this is not lacking love. It's not lacking concern or care. In fact, if I keep my guardrails and you don't, the loving thing is I can help you when I get those phone calls. So in light of your future hopes and dreams, what guardrail do you need to put in place? I could talk more about the subject, but we're going to, Spend a few more weeks talking about it. Hopefully, you'll join us. I'll let me have a pray with, pray with you and let you go. Uh, Father God, we thank you for the wisdom in, in, in your Word, in the Bible, people that wrote the Bible. Um, so, for most of us, it's not a lack of knowledge. Most of us know where the guardrails should be, but... For whatever reason, we haven't decided that there's going to be a guardrail there. And then sometimes we just choose to blow through it for whatever reason. And we thank you that you forgive us when we do that. But we still have to suffer the consequences. And the people that we care about have to suffer the consequences. And if we live without guardrails, when our lives blow up, uh, other people suffer. That's just the reality. And God, so I, I, I pray that we would be wise enough have guardrails and stick by the guardrails for, for no other reason that we can help the people that don't. So God, for those of us that have listened to this teaching today or whenever it's listened to, let us not just say, hey, that's pretty c- cool information, but let us go to the app. Let us apply what we've learned, that that's where true wisdom And we thank you in the name of Jesus, whose name we pray, amen.